0: Thank <laughs> you. the oh there, baby it's the trash man come to talk to you real good yes sir it's that big honky in the sky Lay it on you. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not a dog man. Let's face it. I've dated too many in my time be a dog man. I'll never forget the one I met outside of Scranton one night. Oh, man. But that's something else. Uh, you know, it's uh, very important that tonight, uh, in just one hour, the best dog is going to be named over at the garden. Somebody grabbed me just to Talk about the dog, you know. What are you going to say about dogs? We here in New York come in very intimate contact with dogs many times during the day. And uh, not necessarily the dogs themselves, but, you know, they let their presence be known, and and uh, we do come into contact with them a lot. You know, of course, you realize that the entire plumbing system of mid-Manhattan has blown up, which has caused a lot of excitement here in the midtown area. In fact, uh, a lot of very distinguished people left their offices early. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, there's great levelers in people's lives. But that's something else, again. We have a... You know, speaking of dogs, uh, the only dog—the reason I'm not a dog person—is really is the only dog I ever had when I was a kid. I didn't have to actually have him. Uh, he lived in the house there with us. Nobody has a dog. He just lives there, and his name was Fred. And uh, this dog would lay under the sink. And sometimes, when the old man would come home from bowling, this dog Fred had lay there. See, and all of a sudden, he would had these wild dreams. You know, you, you just kick his feet and have this big smile on his face and kick and yell, and he's in the dream there. And uh, the old man would run over and kick him, like, stop it, Fred. And uh, Fred would go, hoo, 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 and then lay there again, and then he'd start kicking his feet and he had these bad dreams. So I've, I've never really been a, a dog man, actually. And the number one dog is about to be named. Wouldn't it be great if they had... The Westminster People Show. And all of us would go parading around the center ring there and showing all the things we could do, like juggling eggs and holding two penny pencils on your nose and all that kind of stuff. And you'd have an obedience contest. You know? Da down da 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 Papa ba ta ta tu 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 La doo 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 doo, da 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 Papa pa papa 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 It's all this day to up. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba Ba-ba-ba-ba Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba ba I haven't She haven't cleaned out the ashes in a long time. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you like that? No answer. You did. Well, listen, if you get smart, I could lay this on you, friends. If you get smart. I don't want to set the world on fire. (laughs) Don't shove me around. Yeah. yeah yeah let Johnny Carson try that one yeah well, you know it's women hey, listen uh, speaking of uh of uh, if anybody knows what dog is what breed you know you know, of course, you realize that breeds come and go, I mean there's popular breeds, and then there's unpopular breeds, and uh. <laughs> It it must be discouraging to belong to an unpopular breed of dog. You know, like Airedales don't make it anymore. And I'll never forget that Airedale. There was an Airedale named Howard in our neighborhood. Yeah, big, mean. Mother had big yellow teeth. (laughs) You know, the Airedale is among the world's, uh, if he wants to be, toughest dogs. Yeah, big, square-looking thing. By the way, that reminds me... um, What kind of a dog was Zero? Yeah, what kind of a dog is Snoopy? A pism, did you say? A pistol. Oh, very good. Well, I don't know what that kind of dog is. A beagle? A beagle. Well, I'll tell you several things about beagles. They smell the high heaven. They do. They have real active glands. You get near a beagle and... You light a match the wrong day, and your house's light would go up there. That's smelly, but uh, <laughs> they are friendly. The the only thing that I remember about beagles is that there was a guy named Cleo in our neighborhood. His full name was Cleophilus. Believe it or not, it was a hillbilly name. Cleophilus Ledbetter, and uh, yeah, they always have great names like that. Another another thing that hillbillies do. I mean, the, when I say hillbilly, the hill folk, of course, and. Uh, of course, they themselves call themselves hillbillies. There's another thing they use, another phrase they use to describe themselves, which we cannot discuss on the air. has to do with uh, kicking around. Uh, well, uh, well. anyway, we'll just drop that here. But never <laughs> nevertheless, uh, Cleo had these beagles, you know. And a beagle is a sloppy dog. For one thing, he dribbles all over the place. And from every possible conceivable area he dribbles yeah they do they really do they don't show snoopy doing that but they dribble and i remember he had these two beagles and one of them was named uh i think it was named betty or something like that come over and this this beagle used to constantly used to constantly just sort of hang on your knee put his you know put her front legs around your feet and just hang on you and dribble all over your shoes and when you were wearing tennis shoes you know it's not easy going around with a wet foot all day long because betty did whatever it is she did all of your foot you know and, uh, no, to me, that's always uh, reminds me of beagles. Uh, you know, they're nice, noisy, yapping constantly, continually. And uh, they don't show Snoopy doing that. You know that Snoopy never barks? He always just talks and uses long words. And uh, it's not like most beagles I've known who used very few words, barked a hell of a lot, and smelled to high heaven. But uh, are you sure that uh, Snoopy is a beagle? Well, uh, you remember Sandy that went, Arf? What kind of a dog was Sandy? Hey, you got that kind of... What kind of a dog is a Pisdale? What did you say? No, I don't know. It just he would go, Arf! What kind of a dog was he? Got a funny look. He had those two little round BBs for eyes. Very funny-looking dog. Speak of dogs, this is W R New York, and we have with us Harper's Magazine. No connection, of course. You'll find great reading. Next month, the readers of Harper's will share in a great literary event and Harper's invites you too to be part of that event. It's the publication of a portion of the first novel ever written by Albert Camus, the distinguished French author of *The Stranger*, *The Plague*, and etc. Never published before, the Camus novel is called *A Happy Death*. It marks the brilliant beginning to a great literary career, and uh, that's the kind of stuff they have in Harper's all the time. You will get eight months of Harper's for only two eighty-four, which is five sixteen off the newsstand price, and if you ever decide Harper's isn't for you, they'll send you all your dough back full refund on all unmailed issues. So it's a good buy. And that, by the way, actually half the regular subscription rate, that's only 284 for eight months, which is a great buy. So today, call LT1. You can call them tonight, in fact. LT1-4747. And you don't bother sending money now. They'll send you a bill. Just call LT one four seven four seven, or write Harper's in care of W O R New York. Yep, big things are happening in Harper's, and you know, speaking of big things, them birds are getting out of hand. I'll tell you, they. Uh, <laughs> what is the bird madness uh, that, that's sweeping uh, everybody? One guy said I had not found true peace and happiness till I wound up my bird, and she started to flap them wings, flew around the chandelier twice, and I knew I'd found my true vocation. I'm a plastic bird flyer. I've given up my job and home. I've left my wife, and now I know what I'm doing. Signed, a happy man. Well, now, if you've been looking for a vocation, I would like to say, see... no, I never put a man's vocation down. There's many, many vocations. Now, I'm, I'm using it in the biblical sense. He findeth his vocation. He becath Seth and Abraham. No, oh, I'm just quoting here. I don't know. You mind? Look, uh, what is it? Is it the classical thing that gets you—the fact that I have a vast education in the unread classics, the musty tomes of forgotten lore—is that it? Well, pure, pure. Nothing is viler than to see pure, unmitigated envy in a person's face, and it just crossed your face, Herb, and it clouded up Lee's glasses. But nevertheless, if you would like to uh, find your vocation, it could possibly be that flying these birds is your thing. And you can find it out for just three ninety eight. The minute you lay your hand on a little crank in the back of that bird and start cranking, and she starts flapping her wings and taking off, my God, your soul goes with it. Now, there's two of them. You can get the regular bird. <laughs> That's the conventional family bird, which is a 16-inch wingspan, and it's brown and yellow and orange. And, you know, it looks like uh, Leonardo da Vinci's drawings. And it comes with, you know, replaceable plastic rubber bands and stuff. and really great. Now they have another model now which is the white peace dove. I mean if you're you know that type, you can get yourself a beautiful white peace dove with little yellow green fringes and all that. It's just kind of pretty. Anyway, you have to choose which one you want. You send a checker money order for three ninety eight to W O R Flying Birds, excuse me, not W O R I'm sorry. Send checker money order to Flying Birds. Be sure to say whether you want the white one or the yellow one, right? Flying Birds Department S, and you certainly know how to spell that. Yes, probably you do. S, P.O. Box 1909. Now, I'm not betting you can spell that, but I guess you probably can. P.O. Box 1909. It's amazing how few people can spell these days. Yeah, Grand Central Station, New York, New York. The kid read me a note here, speaking of bad spelling, I'm, I'm the victim of that continually. Uh, by the way, we'd like to salute here tonight if I may there's another mystery broken out in Dallas Dallas which is a mysterious city anyway District Court Judge R.T. Scales of Dallas did you hear about that talk about a mystery thing he's in the middle of a very complex chess match with a guy he never saw started two weeks ago when a judge who has a chess set in his chambers found the set on his desk and no one could explain how it got there it was on his desk There it is, all set up, you know, with the chess pieces. So Judge Scales, who's a cuckoo bird for chess, could not resist making a move. Just made a move, you know. The next day he found a retaliating brilliant play that had been made from the other side of the board. Since then, the game has gone on unremittingly day by day. Scales makes his one play in the lunch hour. And no one knows when the mystery player makes his. But he's a hell of a good chess player. Judge Scales is put right up against the wall there. <laughs> oh, man. Now, that, you know, that could have uh, m- a mystery, um, let's say, uh, metaphysical overtones, ramifications. Is it ram No, no, it can't be. Incidentally, I, I, I'm i sorry about that uh, Kohlrabi thing. It's just amazing how many people are victims of the Kohlrabi myth. And, uh,. I just want to warn you, please don't call up the radio station and read to us a definition from the dictionary that there is a kohlrabi. See, that's part of the whole hoax. That old kohlrabi of Baltimore was uh, so, yes, he was so successful in promoting the kohlrabi hoax that even today, kohlrabi can be found in the dictionary. As defined, there is no such thing. So don't call up and yeah, say, it's right here in my dictionary. What I got from school, it says kohlrabi. No, no. The uh, kohlrabi, there's there's actually a white turnip. The kohlrabi does not exist. It is a myth. Now, if, you, if the kohlrabi is a myth, yeah, the, the point you've got to remember about that is that you've never seen a kohlrabi. Everybody knows a grandmother who used to make it or an aunt who once had it. But you haven't. How long has it been since you've gone into a restaurant and said, uh, "Give me a plate of kohlrabi in a little curds and way," and you'll find that that uh, very few restaurants will even admit to knowing about kohlrabi. Most of them think he's a Greek short-order cook that they fired last year because he was stealing the Crisco. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spoil your lunch, hour friends. And uh, you know, I, I'll tell you. One more thing. I have a letter here that I have to read to you just uh, just to clear up some problems here. Uh, oh, uh, we have a guy that collects uh, bad commercial jingles. Yeah, this guy doesn't collect commercials. He collects commercial jingles. And he says, listen to this When He writes it down the Quaker Army swinging along. Every member singing a song with healthy appetites. They're turning homeward. Can't you hear the beat of their feet? They're all shouting, when do we eat? So, Quaker Army, make yourself at home. In Quaker guns, the baking's done. Just hear them cannons roar. Boom! Night and day, they puff away while you come back for more. A new device to give you a treat of wheat and rice, all ready to eat. So, Quaker Army, make yourself at home. Pa pa ba ba Thought I did that pretty good. That's a song for Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. (laughs) <laughs> the Quaker Army swing—kind of ironical, since the Quakers are pacifists. But uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes. They got cannons booming off. That's always the way. Everything's exactly the opposite of what it means. It uh, always has been. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, we'd like to salute Maine. James Nickerson started his Groovy Garbage Company in Stratton, Maine. The Groovy Garbage Company and his uh, his his uh, promise. Which is on his trucks it says satisfaction or double your trash back he has now more than 100 happy customers that are flinging trash right out of old Jimmy it's up in Straptona the groovy garbage company <laughs> sounds like a great rock group and he does Orville right in the biplanes hey I want to read this letter may I please oh no I can't be I hear a great story from Harrisburg with the help of a practical joking friend, H.C. Harrison finds himself the tax assessor of uh, a town called Camp Hill Borough, population 10,000. He just won the election in a one-to-nothing vote. (laughs) Listen to this fantastic story. Unbeknownst to either party, neither a Republican nor a Democratic candidate was on the ballot for assessor. The incumbent, D.H. Steiner, didn't tell his Republican party he was not running again. And the Democrats didn't put up a candidate because they thought Steiner was seeking re-election and would win in a walk. So on election day, old Erickson, who was 70, went to the polls with his friend, who as a joke wrote in Erickson's name. He got the only vote. He is now elected. This is his first job since the Depression. and He's happy. (laughs) Politics, politics, oh, how mystery. He's liable to be, you know, running for president in a few years. That's a start there. Well, Eric, it's the beginning of the ladder. I don't know where that's going to lead. Hey, we got a note here from Philadelphia. And uh, I thought you might like to know what uh, girls write from, uh, from classes. This is written in class. Dear Shepard, I'm writing this from the confines of a freshman college course on philosophy. Half the class is sleeping, and the others are divided between doodling and snickering or private jokes. I'm not sure what category this letter comes under. Tell you one thing, nobody's listening to the guy that's talking up in front of the class. I live in Wilmington, Delaware, known as the chemical capital of the world, which gives you an idea of how interesting it is. <laughs> we also have the dubious distinction of being just a few miles down the river of Philadelphia, which puts plenty of chemicals in the river which arrive at us, which we then process and sell to the rest of the world. Which brings me to the point of this letter. <laughs> as I have heard you give a couple of opinions on the city of brotherly love on your show, I must warn you, there is a a conspiracy afoot in the Philadelphia area, and it is apparently directed directly against you. First of all, there's your book. This is when I heard you talk about it, and I read about it in the papers and so on. I searched store after store in Philadelphia. Finally, I found a bookstore that had just one copy, apparently a sample. I quickly snatched it, and I've ever since seen another copy in the entire city of Philadelphia. Well, you don't see many books of any type in Philadelphia. uh, (laughs) This is the city where they really believe in the Phillies. And anybody that believes in the Phillies, ooh. And uh, she goes on to say, I decided to look for a review of it. For months I've watched the Philadelphia papers in vain. The final straw came when the two major papers each published a supplement of Christmas. At Christmas, purportedly listing all the new books of 1971. I painfully searched in the supplements, and Wanda Hickey was conspicuously absent from both. Well, that's Philadelphia again. Of course, you know, I might say Philadelphia is still fighting against Franklin D. Roosevelt. I saw a thundering editorial in the paper there the other day against him. So, I mean, (laughs) good old Philly. She says, this prejudice extends to TV. You recently made an appearance on a local show entitled McLean & Company. This particular show was aired at 1 a.m. on Saturday morning when the viewing audience must have been at least 10 or 12. I happened to be coming in around that time I saw it. As you entered the program, you were emblazoned upon the screen as Gene, G-E-N-E, Gene Shepherd, Shepard S H E P A R D, to add himself to injury. Several weeks later, there was another show produced by the same crowd. They did a segment on an old Philadelphia man, touting him as the only man in the country quote who plays a nose flute. Just a few weeks earlier, you've been playing it on that same show, and you made an amateur that nose flute guy. It must have been deliberate. It is Philadelphia. <laughs> she says, "I'm now engaged in a futile effort to find a new album in Philly. I have been." making the rounds of all the record stores, even asking it for by name, describing it futilely. They shake their heads and then try to palm off some female hillbilly singer. Sings in a high voice through her nose. However, I'm not giving up yet. (laughs) This is a great letter. She says, uh, I want you to, she says, any city, however, that could mess things up the way Philly is about picking a cypher to 76 biennial is not to be taken seriously. She says, I also have a question. Is your TV show going to return? It is indeed. It is indeed. It will be repeated this spring, even in Philly, and uh, it will be. Uh, we're going to do a whole new series for next year. P.S. I think you are sexy looking. Don't worry, I'm a girl. Oh, <laughs> God, that's nice. I like. I read it for the last part there, so you know that uh, I'm not alone there. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. That's a good question. Now, uh, that's a, that's a big problem today, and. Uh, it's a problem that has bedeviled publishers and so forth for a long time, ever since uh, oh, I'd say about the early 50s, and that's the decline of the bookstore. That many bookstores today really specialize in selling dirty uh, Christmas cards and dirty birthday cards. You know the kind, you know, dirty get well cards, and which shows a little cupid with a with a bedpan. You know the whole bit, and uh, and that's that's what's happened to bookstores. <laughs> Sell a lot of ballpoint pens, of course, that kind of stuff, and a few paper clips, and a lot of these little faces with the smiling, you know, the mouth on it, you know, and a lot of Snoopy sweatshirts. You'll find practically no bookstore is without its complete collection of Snoopy impedimentia ranging all from Snoopy pencil sharpeners to, uh, you know, Snoopy straight jackets for when they finally flip their gourd. And then you can get your, you know, they carry you away and you got your little Snoopy straight, straight jacket on, you know. <laughs> Or you can get your Charlie Brown straight jacket, or your Lucy straight jacket, if you want. But uh, this is a, this is a problem, and uh, I'm just curious: is there anybody out in Philadelphia here who who's had that trouble? Give us a call here; we'd like to hear from Philly. This is just one of those nights. Nice, only Philadelphia, and we know if you're fake. There's a certain unmistakable tinge to a Philadelphian's voice that comes from years of booing at everything. They got a certain uh, a certain furry larynx. Is it a larynx, Lee? Or is it a larynx? You don't know. What kind of a doctor are you? M-R-D-G-O. But uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm going to take out my nose flute now. There's been an uh, endless number of people ask about this. Now, you're going to ask me how I learned to play the nose flute. <laughs> I knew you'd ask. And uh, <laughs> I could tell you're asking out there, how'd you learn to play the nose flute? Well, to anybody who's got bad sinuses, I would suggest don't mess with a nose flute. Nose flute is a messy instrument if you got a cold. And uh, to me, uh, anybody who... I I don't... uh, These, all the instruments that I play on my show, whether they be a nose flute or a Jew's harp, or whether they be uh, lesser instruments, such as the kazoo, I have played these since infanthood. So don't come uh, sending me a letter, Hey, Shepard, you ought to learn to play the ocarina. No, no. No, 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 no. That's like... Trying to get me to switch to the loot. At this point, I'm not interested in loot. Loot thy own loot, and go forth, thy stranger, begot Seth and Abraham, and patheth from the land of Gilead into the great circle and the void of the bomb. So saith somebody. Forget now. You Didn't know I knew all those things, did you? All right, uh, let me try something. <clears throat> Would you give me that uh, that uh, first uh, record I just sang to, please? Okay, you got it there. Let's hear it. Please. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoop. What's the matter? It ain't coming on. Yeah, that's good. I knew you'd get it there. (laughs) Of course, you had to wind up the record player. I just wanted to show you I could do it. You want to hear some more? No you're you're dead on your thing tonight, so I don't... everybody it's a, it's a dead night. Everybody's just sort of half asleep. I guess it's because the plumbing is turned off. Everybody's in a state of semi-shock. Oh, listen, I'll tell you, I'll never forget oh, some of the greatest uh, stripes. Now I'm go- the, the following story I am about to tell is in exceedingly bad taste, and I will warn you of that. Exceedingly bad taste. Hey, look, uh, before we leave that, I I have to answer the question. Uh, This uh, all kidding aside. There's no reason why your bookstore should not have Wanda Hickey. It is published by Doubleday and has been nationally distributed and has been on the Time magazine bestseller list. So if your your, uh, bookstore does not have it, you just look at them real mean. And say I at last discovered your Achilles heel. You ain't got no books. What the hell kind of a bookstore is this? And go stomping out. Say you know what you can do with your Snoopy, Jack. And let 'em try it with them Snoopy sweatshirts. It's quicker than X-Lax. However, uh, <laughs> this is a mad time of the world. It really is. However, it is uh, it is available, and you should. And the record, in case you're. Curious again. It's, I can't explain it. It's a national distributed mercury record, and it's called the declassified Gene Shepherd. And I do not sing hillbilly songs, although I do play the jew's harp on it. The declassified. Now, uh, this the following story, uh, and uh, I, I have to explain this to you. Uh, yeah, I think I think we have to have a, a little your reassur- assurance before we go on with this thing because this is a very dynamic story. I've never told it before. Sickening story. And uh, is there anybody here tonight who was at Ryder College and last night when we did our show there? We, we did a show last night at Ryder, and it was great. It was a terrific school, you know? And uh, is there anybody who is at Ryder who's listening tonight? I want to talk to you about something. Call up here quick, and uh, I'll just sit here and whistle Dixie. But uh, in the meantime, this thing. Now, again, I'm giving you a, uh, this is a by way of a, <laughs> a disclaimer. Now, we all live in this world, don't we? Or is that a controversial statement? <laughs> you do her. Good. How about you, Lee? Are you with us? Good. Fine. Well, of course, there are hobbits. Or they think they are. So I don't know about that crew. But uh, I will say this, that the living of this world presents certain difficulties. Now, for those of you who do not live in New York, maybe you do not know that New York is always balanced on the knife edge of disaster. you agree with that? It is a condition of living in this city. In other words, any minute in New York, the entire phone system is liable to blow up. Just blow up. Your phone is liable to dissolve in your hand, you get a hell of a shock, your ear fly off, and that's the end of it. And everybody expects it, right? Okay. On the other hand, any minute now, everything is allowed to go on strike. Instantaneously. Everybody. Everything. And uh, and nobody would be surprised in New York if that happen. Because, of course, he would be on strike, too. And <laughs> the total strike, it'll happen. All right. Now, that's one kind. Then there's, there's the other kind, a natural type of disaster. Like, uh, for no unknown, well, I suppose they know now why it is. But for uh, totally mysterious reasons to all of us people, all of a sudden, right here in the middle of town, now, uh, Broadway, you all know where Broadway is, right? Sure. Everybody knows it on Broadway, you know? Thousand lights for every broken heart on Broadway. Or is it there's a broken heart for every thousand lights on Broadway? I don't know. Give my regards to Broadway. Tell them when the plumbing's fixed I'll be home. Give my regards to on Broadway and send them a couple of Brillo pants. To clean up the mess on Broadway. Oh, what a stinking mess. Oh, clean up the mess on Broadway, and I'll be home and tell him old John Lindsay's right. It is a fun say. No, no, that's another song. <laughs> you didn't know that song, eh? But what happened here on Broadway at 42nd, right at Times Square. See, we're right near there. In fact, we're right on it where it happened. About 6 o'clock or something this morning, there was a dull thud, apparently, underground. that just went, boom, like that and all the water mains blew up, just like that. Boom, ba boom. boom. And uh, water squirted out of everything. Apparently it squirted out of the air conditioners and dribbled out of the fern plants, and the whole, sh- you know, the whole slamoolie there was just covered with water, and that wasn't all, apparently. Stuff boiled out all over the place, and the whole streets were swimming, and now all this area is cordoned off, as Gabe Gabe pressman would say. It is cordoned off. That means they can't. You can't get through. Forget it. Well, what did that do? That that uh, there it, there hasn't been a John working in in this whole block now for the entire day, which has caused certain nervousness. And uh, yes, it has. It uh, certainly cleaned out the typing pool about two o'clock in the afternoon. They were gone, and uh, <laughs> and it was pretty pretty fascinating. But. I, I took a look at the scene, see, and I, I came down here. It's just a wild scene. And I realized how, how, the, how right on the knife edge of disaster this city is always poised. I mean, and, of course, you must know some of the pipes that run around in the city. Do you know how old some of the pipes are? They're like 150 years old. I mean, incredible. I mean, are the pipes that Washington used, you know. And so, oh, uh, no, sure, you know, so all of a sudden, kaboom it all blew up right here in the middle of town was a gigantic scene. It was, it was even, really, it was even too much for Drano. It wouldn't have done you no good to call a Ruto-Rooter man or the Ruder rooter a Rodey-Rooter, Roto-Rooter. You know that crowd? Although I know some dirty jokes about the Roto-Rooter. And uh, <laughs> uh, we won't uh, burden you with those. However, if you are over 21, just send your name and address to the big root here at WOR. We'll send you all of them. In uh, Greek, we also have them in Spanish, and we have them in... Uh, plain old English, that's oldie English with an E, and that gives a little extra style to the rooter jokes. You never heard the Roto-Rooter jokes? You have. Of course you have. Did you hear the turtle jokes? Mm, of course you have. Of course. Uh, no, I can't tell anybody anything. They know everything. It's amazing how everybody is so smart, isn't mm-hmm. it? But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I would like to uh, tell you a com- kind of a sickening story that uh, I really uh you know, I just—I'll throw it out for what it—what it's worth. It was uh, one of the worst battles I ever saw. Happened as a result of just exactly the situation that blew up here in New York today. I'm in the army. See, now you never think about this kind of stuff in the army, right? I'm in the army, and uh, one thing about the army, see, they, they have these inspections and stuff, and they, everything's always uh, real sharp, much sharper than it is around your house. Like every morning when you get up in the morning. In the army, you have to swab around your 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 bunk with a with a broom and a and a one of these wet mops, you know, with the strings on it. You know the kind of mops they always use in the army movies when the guys are playing like their chicks. You know, they run around with a mop and I never saw it in the army. i it seen a lot of movies, but uh, that's a that's an army a movie shtick thing. I even it persists in almost every movie I've ever seen, like the Bridge in the River Kwai. You know, they did that. Uh, it's never happened in real life. I wonder, hey, is there any GI ever, ex-GI uh, of any any war, any war, going all the way back to the War of Hippo, Hippolytus uh, out there, is there any ex-GI out there who ever once saw a show in any place where GIs got up on a stage and had a chorus line and pretended that they were the Andrews sisters or something? They're continually doing that in movies, and I never heard of it ever being done. You know, there's so much myth around... I always felt that I was in the wrong, you know, outfits. We'd see those movies, and somebody would say, I remember gas one time. Hey, fellas, let's have a show. And you uh, you play, uh, you play uh, Doris Day. And, uh, of course, you know, there was a lot of booing and yelling. Everyone went down to the PX and drank a lot of 3.2 beer and threw up, and that was the end of it. That was the extent of the show. Although there was one good show one time, I'll tell you what happened with the show. We, we, were, we, <laughs> we were lying in our bunks one night. It was about, about 2 o'clock in the morning. And of course, night goes very fast in the Army. I mean, you lay down in your bunk, and it's all of a sudden like 4 o'clock in the morning, you're blowing bugles and shooting guns off and, and playing a march. They had this gigantic PA system that would play El Capitan right in your ear. Oh, I've always hated that march. Oh. Anybody who likes John Philip Sousa always probably likes Impacted Wisdom Teeth, too. But, uh, and I'm not putting them down. Some people get their kicks that way. But uh, nevertheless, I'm laying flat out there, see, and all of a sudden, the door to the barracks slams open. Bang! 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 Just like that. And in the doorway is is the first sergeant, Kowalski. He says, all right, you guys, get up quick! Come on, let's get in a double! Get up quick, put on your fatigues, and get moving out quick! we got an emergency! Well, everybody jumps up. We figure, you know what, the company P is... Uh, Finally invading us, you know. We got to leap to the barricades or something. Yeah, you know, you're always ready for total disaster in the army anyway. We, everybody jumped up, and guys running at each other. They're finally attacking. We're all going to be dead in five minutes and that stuff. And the gasser's putting on his helmet and stubbing his toe, and, you know, guys swearing in the dark. They didn't have the lights on, say, And He just slammed the door, get out, let's go, move out quick, hunt the company street quick. And we go pouring out. And guys from the next barracks, there were three barracks. Guys from the next barracks were pouring out in the dark and was kind of cold and rainy and drizzly. We figured it was a you know real quick inspection by the medical department coming around there, you know, trying to pull a fasty on us. You know, or <laughs> don't you know about that one, friends? But they did that occasionally. And so everybody's out there grumbling and griping, yelling, and we're out in the muddiest street, and, and the sergeant is running around fast. He's they have opened up the, the, the supply room, and the supply clerk is Standing in there, they got one little light bulb lit, and he is working like fantastic. He's, you know, you can see him in there getting all kinds of supplies ready. First, thing, he says, all right, let's you guys, let's go, move on out. Whatever kind of a two's there, first platoon, second platoon, third platoon, kind of we we're going to march over to the supply room, let's go. All right, right, face, march, all right, march, let's go, let's move there. Come on, how to tell you guys? Come on, let's go. Boy, the right, kind of a twos in front of the supply room, grab your equipment, let's move out. And we all marched up to the supply room, and what are they handing us but mops and buckets and brushes? With that, the sergeant says, all right, let's go. About face on the double. Let's move it out to the little train. Move quick. And we're running like hell to the little train, which is down at the other end of the tree, And then we saw it. The latrine is incredible. To begin with, our latrine had 24 Johns in a row. 24. If you think you've had trouble with one, Twenty-four in a row, all lined up on this bare concrete pavement. And something happened, and all 24 Johns have stopped up and have overflowed. Twenty-four Johns going full blast all over the floor, pouring out in the company street. The latrine orderly was running around screaming. You know, he was he was up to his knees. And he was up to, well, he was up to his knees, That's all I can say. And the, he's running around, and he's screaming, he's, Help! Help you guys! Help! And we go pouring into the latrine, and everybody's got his mop and a bucket, it's coming out. It was unbelievable. I don't know where it all came from. It was a fantastic scene. And the first sergeant it was like he was in combat, you know, and he's wearing a steel helmet, and he's hollering stuff like, Follow me! Let's go! Follow me, man! Move forward! March up! Move! And we we're rushing into this thing with our mops and our buckets, and the first sergeant is yelling just as the lieutenant comes pouring out of his little Tent there, you know, and he lives in a very special world. He had a, the, he went down to the officer's place, so he didn't have the problem with the John stopping up and overflowing. It was strictly an enlisted man's problem, and uh, he came out. He got his face gets white, see, and of course he immediately took combat command, and uh, that that night was spent until roughly the next morning fighting the gigantic John explosion, which occurred in Company K, and incidentally made Company K a laughing stock of the entire Signal Corps for some time because there had been rumors about, uh, well, let us say, the composition of Company K's personnel for a long time. I'm not even going to go into that. And it was, uh, you know, considered just inevitable that ultimately this would occur. So uh, that night, I learned something. I'm not exactly at liberty to describe or discuss what I learned, but I did learn something. I wonder if Jackie Kennedy even knows about that kind of stuff. I wonder if she's ever had, you know... No, can't be. No way. No way. No way. We only had two plumber's helpers in the entire company. The guys were running around with mops and buckets, yelling and hollering. And then, then, of course, as inevitable, in the moment of total disaster, man usually finds it in his heart and his soul to cooperate. Yes, we cooperated for that maybe hour and a half and two hours when the deluge poured down the company's street and soaked in around the foot lockers wasn't only water either. I might add, it was just you know. And so for that miserable two hours, we we were we were together. But then the inevitable recriminations began. Whose fault it was? Who threw up in the second one to the left? It didn't flush it and cause it to block up. Who put the ping pong balls in the one down there, third from the end? Who put the towel in this one? And who put? Well, you know, it just went on and on and on. All right, bring it up there. <laughs> Yeah, tonight's salute was a salute to the lady plumber, wherever she is. We need you tonight. Where are you tonight when we need you, Joe DiMaggio, old lady plumber? Did you notice a peculiar animal like brusque vitality to tonight's program? A certain curt directness. Did you notice that? You didn't? Or oh, you did? Okay, I can't tell. <laughs> Say hello to Zachary for me when you see it. will you? Yeah. Oh, my, this is W.R. New York. We have Lester Smith coming up with the news. News and detail on the hour from the W.R. Newsroom.